Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to Life in the Peloton. Here we are for another big, great episode. I'm joined by my doughboy, my partner in crime, because this is the Cape Epic episode, and I've got Ian Boswell here to help me intro this episode. Boz, welcome. It's good to be back, Mitch. Two in a row. Two in a row. This episode is being brought to you by Rafa. They are our proud partners this year. I'm really excited working with them, and I enjoyed wearing their kit especially over here in Cape Epic. I had a fresh kit ready to go and it was nice to be able to pull those nicks on each morning. I really enjoyed that, feeling a little pro. As we kicked off over here in Cape Epic, Boz, let's talk about the Digger and the Doughboy. Our name, our team name, that was what we came over here for. It's a pairs event and you've got to come with a name and you and I were discussing this. What are we going to be? The Digger and the Doughboy. We didn't even know about that. The American and the Australian, I was thinking, what do you think at the beginning? Well, Mitch, at first I was thinking maybe the dude and the mate. This wasn't bad either. It could have worked, but I feel like there's a little bit more history and uh, yeah, partnership and brotherhood to the name The Digger and the Doughboy, which is actually a reference back to July 1918, the start of World War One in the Battle of Hamel in France, when for 93 minutes, the Americans and the Australians fought together for the first time. The digger was a slang term mm. primarily used for Australian and uh, Kiwis who were, you know, infantrymen. men. It's a pretty well-known term, I guess, you know, especially with all the mining that was happening in Australia at the time. The Doughboy was a popular nickname for Americans that came about during World War I, but the origins are not really known. There's some rumors that it was because their little buttons on their uniforms looked like Doughboy. There was also a general, I can't remember his last name, but maybe Doman or (laughs) Doe something. But it is a partnership that in every war sense, when the Americans and the Australians have fought together, they have referred to each other as a little kind of a a band of brothers, the Mm. Diggers and the Doughboys. That's how the name came about. And that's kind of what we, uh, yeah, represented here. Two folks from different continents fighting together against the mighty Cape Epic. It is the mighty Cape Epic. And I'm glad that we had that alliance and the history around it because I felt like we were, let's not say going to war, that's maybe not too far, but in our own sort of way, it felt like a real battle out there against the other riders, but against the terrain and also off the bike. It was such a fierce race, this. In this episode, we're going to explain the whole race. Of course, we're going to follow the journey of Ian and I and our race, but also what this beast is, because it's easy to say, and I was exactly the same, oh, Cape Epic, I've heard of this race, and I sort of thought, oh yeah, they do this big camping and, you know, some trails and big jumps and air and all that sort of stuff. So it's trying to break down for anyone who hasn't been here, what this race is, what this big circus is really, Um, the Tour de France of mountain biking, they call it. I'm trying to talk to everyone, you know, the pros right through to us, the medical system, you know, people who are intense, everyone to give you a nice sort of picture of what our journey is and what what the Cape Epic is. Um, I guess, Ian, let's go to the start line and where we were in this event. We talked about the pros. We talked about we've got the mixed pairs. We've got the, you know, the men's pairs, the women's pairs. There's a whole lot of different categories here. Finding out where we slotted into this was also part of the the story as well. Yeah, well, we we found ourselves and we signed up for the amateurs category, which is, this is the first year that they've ever had an amateurs category at Cape Epic. In the past, it's been the open category. So people like you and I who, you know, we're no longer professional riders. We don't have UCI licenses. We're not on, you know, and I guess we're in a unique situation because we were on anti-doping. We would have to be on it for six months prior to, you know, getting our licenses back. 
Um, we're not old enough yet to be masters one day soon. That was kind of the category for us. There's kind of a bit of a no man's land without, with the elimination of an open category, we slotted into mm. the amateurs category, which I think sounds strange for us to be called amateurs. Cause we, you know, at one point in our life were professionals. Um, but just happenstance, that was a category in which we, we kind of were forced into. And I think, you know, when we first saw amateur category on our you know registration on the website, you know, I was like, yep, that's about where I, yeah, I I'm an amateur mountain biker. That's pretty well, that's a good description of where I'm at. I love being an amateur mountain biker because it's, and that's something that I've always loved about mountain biking. It feels like a new sport for me. I've got no pre-contempt sort of level that I need to be at. I just go out there, I see what I can do, stumble down some trails, go as hard as I can on the uphill. And that's sort of what we did here at Cape Epic. One of the great thing that we had here at Cape Epic too, because we're in the campers, we're in the in the trenches with everyone, we're in the food hall, we're cooking in our camper. But one thing I loved having every day, and I've brought some along for you, was Athletic Greens Boz. Mate, we talked about it before we got across here. The AG1, starting every day with it. How did you find it? It's really become part of my routine. I mean, it, you even brought me a little shaker and I've actually really became a part of, you know, our morning ritual as we'd wake up, turn the, turn the kettle on, boil some water. And as that was heating up, we'd both mix up our athletic greens and, and get it down, which is, you know, great just because these days were so long and hard, you know, not only are we getting all the, the vitamins, minerals, and probiotics that we need, we're also getting a good dose of just hydration in the morning because mm. it's easy at 5 a.m. to just wake up, drink two cups of coffee and go on the bike and realize you haven't drank any, you know, form of just hydrating liquid. I found it really tasty as well. I'm, I'm really surprised at how it has a nice little sweet sweetness to it, but not overly sweet. It's nice. I guess I enjoy having something in the morning that kind of is like refreshing. It's a great way to start the day. And I even doubled up a few times because there was some cases of jipo gut, as it's called, gravy guts going around. So I wanted to... <laughs> Just even saying that word makes me feel a bit ill. I wanted to just sort of chalk myself up and it was so handy. Like Ian said, one scoop, you know, two times a day for me, shake it up with a bit of water. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, the Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Get over to athleticgreens.com slash life in the peloton. That's athleticgreens.com slash life in the peloton. Check it out. You won't regret it. As you heard from Ian, he's a newbie and he's on board. Let's not bang on too long, Ian, because there is a massive episode in front. What do you reckon? Should they strap themselves in? It's a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? Clip in, drop our post down, and let's send it. Awesome. Guys, enjoy. Here we go. All right, we're here, finally, this is it. We've landed in Cape Town. We're on our way to Cape Epic. We're in our team bus. As you can just hear the engine rolling away, we've been, it's been a whirlwind of a trip actually, a long trip from Melbourne to here, and then a bit of a long morning getting this camper. We've already run into a few competitors, one of them being David Miller and his sister, Fran Miller, who I didn't know who was riding. So it was good catching up with them. But most importantly, I've got my partner sitting right next to me. Ian Boswell, Boz, we're here, mate. Finally, how's it feel? Yeah, it's good to be here. Happy to be actually here. We got our bikes assembled. We're in Mitch on the horn. We got a we got a good bus driver. I think more than anything now, I'm just looking forward to riding our bike. And I think it's kind of funny. I was thinking how we're both 
I think like our pro mentality is kind of coming back in. Like last night, we're like, hey, let's go do a long ride today, warm up. <laughs> and I'm realizing like we're getting ready for a 30 hour week. We're gonna have plenty of bike riding this week, but we're still antsy to get out and ride this afternoon. Well, you even spoke about doing extras. I might head out and do extras and all this sort of stuff. I'm thinking, well, you sort of, you had me thinking, yeah, I might do that too for a split second. Now I was thinking, all right, mate, this is going to be hard enough. We're going to be super fit when we get home. I don't know what you're doing next, but um, that might be enough for me. Let's get out there. There's going to be heaps to capture this week. I just wanted to sort of touch base at the start. I guess I've got one quiz question for you, Ian. What are you most looking forward to this week and most expecting out of this week? Sort of a double edge. Let's check in with the start and then we can check in it as we go. I think in having done stage races and I guess something somewhat similar to this, the migration gravel race, I'm looking forward to like day two or three once we get into it and like then hanging out around the camp. I feel like before the race, even if people are just here to ride, they're always a little bit nervous and a little kind of like measuring up everyone but then once you get into the race people have this like shared sense of experience and community and stories to share so i'm looking forward most to just hanging out after some of the stages and hearing other people's experience and i guess hearing our experience as well boz first impressions we're just back we've done the prologue we've checked it out what do you think I'm not going to lie. I feel like I'm going to disappoint you numerous times this week. I was pretty scared on that first descent. Like, not just pretty scared, like very scared, like thinking like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> As we got on, I felt more confident, but that first downhill, I was I was shaking in my boots. It was necessary, the prologue, wasn't it? Just to get, I guess, all the cobwebs out from the, the travel yesterday. It started out rough. You were going pretty good at the end. Actually, sort of went pretty hard up the first climb. We did now 15, uh, so we did now 30 today. Do you reckon we can take 15 minutes of our time tomorrow? Yeah, let's, let's set that goal. Hour 15 minutes for the prologue. All right, we're here also because we've just they popped their head around the corner. Familiar voices. We've got Wade Wallace, Alan Aquani, very familiar to the podcast. Boys, here we are. It feels like we're just somewhere in Australia, doesn't it? Just like it. There's eucalyptus trees and barren hills. And you're here asking for money, <laughs> like you do in Australia. Well, I didn't have any money and I ordered some food. And next thing I know, you popped your head around the corner. I thought, well, maybe Wade's got money. He seems to be cashed up. How are you feeling, guys, on the eve of Cape Epic? This is your third time here haven't finished it yet i'm not surprised about that so can you get around this year that is the plan however after today's rico with um this prologue course i had to stop several times to fix uh, a seat that was too high too low to this change of suspension <laughs> put more air in air out so i'm looking forward to it way it is as well you've laid the excuses down how do you guys keep getting starts that's the thing like, you're making it sound like anyone can get a start in this race wade you're gonna have to get him around this year come on you know we don't have to qualify like the rest of these guys we pull the media card and i just created a whole new business just to do the cape epic one last time and it will be the last time and we will finish this time i promise so yeah, I'm Lukas Baum from Speed Company Racing. Uh, second time for me now in the Cape Epic. I, I know you're doing it for the first time. Uh, I'm excited what you're going to say uh, after a couple of days. Yeah, and I'm Georg Ecker, also for Speed Company Racing, also second time in the Cape Epic. So yeah, pretty excited. Um, yeah, the pressure is on. So we won last year in the first episode for us. So uh, yeah, we're quite excited, but we try to keep calm and uh, stay easy. All right, guys, I think you found something last year that was a real big success because we're in campers, we're camping buddies. Um, we're just parked up the road from you. The race hasn't even started. And I noticed you've already got a full setup here. You've got an extra fridge. You've got a table. Looks like you're settled in for a couple of weeks. One thing you said to me, the key was that you 
cooked everything yourself and you ate yourself because last year I could be wrong saying this you were a bit of a surprise winner no one was sort of expecting you but you guys knew what you were doing and you're controlling it and this year you're doing the same aren't you yeah sure I think um yeah, last year we've been in the same position as you are now uh, with just uh, the camp camper without a tent. Uh, but we learned from from that, uh, yeah, from our first time. And our goal was to improve. And the the big improvements we made was was the the tent now and the second fridge. But uh, like you said, the food poisoning which goes around here every year is uh, the killer number one. So uh, to avoid that, we're cooking for ourselves. And um, yeah, it also brings brings a, a nice flair, or I don't know, like and you get into a the mood here uh, doing it by yourself and it's a bit more adventurous than than just sitting in the in the apartment or in a hotel getting cooked by, by your stuff. Tell me, coming into the second edition, I guess you last year you didn't have any pressure, you probably had some pressure on yourself, but now you're coming in as the winners. I saw your number, number one, wearing that number one cloth on your back and on your number plate, there's always pressure. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, uh, sure there's a bit of pressure, but uh, the most pressure comes from yourself. Uh, every athlete knows that and uh, I mean we had some pressure also last year we did some good races in the preparation that's why we decided to do it super spontaneous um, to come to the Cape Epic because we won some preparation races in, in Spain. We feel there are more and more people who are interested in us and who know how strong we can go or how strong we can do so um, yeah there's a bit more pressure from outside but uh, in, in ourselves the pressure is more or less the same so um, we want to compete as good as we can and, and try to stay safe, try to, to let the material in one piece and um, yeah, help ourselves uh, as much as we can. Yeah. Give me one tip tomorrow for the time trial. What's one thing you guys are going to do? Look, I'm not going to be anywhere near you guys, so you don't have to... No one's going to hear this tip. Tell me the secret. What's the secret for Ian and I tomorrow? Well, you, you don't have to downplay yourself. I know you, you know how to, how to handle yourself at a time trial, but I think the key is to... Like a team time trial, TTT. Uh, you're only as fast as, as the slowest one can go. So good communication and... Um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if you're Shimano or SRAM. Um, Shimano, so uh, put the, the trigger all the way down and the chain, chain to the right, and th that's, the, that's the way to go. <laughs> all right, boys, we'll speak to you during the week. They're about to go for their ride, so enjoy. Yeah, thanks. Thank thanks. You. See you tomorrow. Start gunners ready. All right, well, I've woken up early. Ian's still sleeping in the camper, and I thought I'd come down and actually absorb some of the atmosphere of the first riders going. I've run into Team Keith. We're here. You're also down here watching some of the other competitors, aren't you? Oh yeah, you've got to give them a, a cheer on in the morning. Some of them are just absolutely loving it this morning. They just give them a cheer and they're off. You can see the smiles, it's great. Do you guys know anyone else down here or you just came down to literally see the atmosphere? And that we, well, we don't know anyone else out here. There's a couple of guys Mike knows, but it's the rest is all, yeah, completely dark to us. We've done a few things, but never in South Africa. Well, it's great. The couple teams going off, as you can hear. Looks like these, these teams are going to have a nice day. They're cruising off the line. I'm hoping I've got a smile on my face just like them when I leave too. <laughs> well, I'm here in the, I guess it's the chill out zone, relaxed tent. I've already had a shower. I'm done, done and dusted. Right, Christoph and Roman have rolled in. They're in the mixed pair, something I'm very similar, familiar with. How'd you go out there, guys, Christoph? Yeah, well, today was a bit of a tester to see how the legs are going. We live in Amsterdam. 
we landed on Thursday evening late, so we're coming from four or five degrees. Now it's, what, 35 today, so all of a sudden you're riding a little bit <laughs> out of your comfort zone. So, yeah, it's always good to see if the body can respect what you want to give it, and I think we were okay. It was really fun, yeah. It was, uh, the climbs are nice. And the weather, it suits us. So he's South African, I'm Dutch. So I have to get used to it a bit. But uh, the technical stuff is so much fun. Just all the berms and the riding hard. And uh, I mean, it's only the first day of technically eight days. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, it's so much fun. Enjoying it very much. Tell me about Cape Epic, both of you. The experience in this atmosphere here and help everyone understand why it is so special this race. You know, it's it's a massive event. I'm so surprised how well they get whatever the thousand plus people through the gates today, prologuing. It's all so smooth, isn't it? I mean, it, it sells for itself. I mean, it's sold out within two days of like the entries opening. So like uh, you can see with that, it's quite popular, but worldwide it's, I feel like it doesn't have the name yet that it should because it's an amazing event. I mean, I started only mountain biking really four years ago and uh, we lived in Cape Town. So I saw this event every year and it was a, a dream of mine to do because it's so well organized. When you're here, there's a huge village. Um, the food is amazing. Um, just everything works so well. They organize it really well. And then, I mean, Cape Town, South Africa, is just the best place to mountain bike so that has its, uh, its own justice for uh, riding so it's it's just an amazing event to be out here eight days of just racing and, and following a route that's yeah, organized so well well let's debrief this boz we're on our way we've got our camper well let's talk about the camper first so we last night we get in late at night and we're trying to turn the lights on we realize the camper's got no power and there's no cable to plug the camper in. Well, what's going on here? So we crawl into bed and we'll sort it out in the morning. We had no power, we had no cable, but luckily to our savior, the rental company came out, dropped the cable off. By the time Boz woke up after his big sleep, the whole problem was sorted, wasn't it, mate? It was, yeah, I had a great sleep and uh, woke up and you already had hot water going for coffee. We went to the grocery store and got some milk and cereal for breakfast. Yeah, I mean, I guess last night I was in like a bit of a panic, like, oh man, like I know where time's going to become more precious as we get further into the race. And I was like, how are we going to deal with this? But thanks to some quick uh, WhatsApp text messages, the company got us all sorted out. That out of the way, we headed into the race and we were quite nervous on the start line, both of us. We even did a warm up, you know, did some efforts out on the road, something I haven't done for a long time. And we hit it off, didn't we, uh, Boz? We kicked out of the start gate and tell us everyone how it all went down. Yeah, well, we had the uh, a big climb right off the start. And as we, I was saying to Mitch just recently on the car, it's, I was eyeing up people on the start line and I looked around. There's a lot of people that looked really serious and like competent mountain bikers, but also fit. So I assume we were gonna be getting caught like at some point on the race. And turns out we did a lot of catching today. <laughs> we, uh, we passed a lot of people on the climb. I was the uphill domestique. Mitch was guiding us, pulling us through the flats. Surprisingly, we were on the leaderboard when we got back. And not only that, we also won the, uh, the amateur category. Not quite fast enough to be up there with the pros. Yeah, how would it go for you out there, Mitch? I mean, you were behind me on the climbs. I could hear you breathing, but I was pulling the same face when I was on the flats in your wheel. I feel pretty good up the first climb, and I thought, you know, this is, this is a good pace. It's, it's hard, but hand, you know, I can handle it. We went over the top, smashed down the descent, and we caught Wade and Albie nice and early, which was always good to get that one done. And then, you know, pulled some big turns on the flat. Probably in hindsight, I shouldn't have done that because I really did suffer in the back end and had to, I had to tell you to slow down a couple times. 
but I think that's what I needed. I needed that really good push, and you were riding a good pace. It was just like my top end of threshold. You have to be like that in a prologue. Um, I think a really good start to our relationship in this pairs combination, because you've got to find the weaknesses for each other. Yeah, you were technically really good too. You know, no complaints there. Physically, better than I thought you'd be. I thought coming out of winter, I thought oh, I might have one over Boz here, but uh-uh. like a nice, a nice start to the day, a nice start to the whole race. What were your feelings of the whole atmosphere? And you know, was it what you expected? Your first real mountain bike race? It was, yeah. I mean, I guess we were around the the village yesterday, but it was probably only 250 people there. You know, no fans, a couple of people picking up packets. But today. And at the start line, we were both nervous. I was speaking to someone. I was like a little bit shaky. I could tell that I was like, oh, well, why do I have these pre-race nerves? And I think a lot of that for me wasn't so much the race. It was that first descent because I knew we were in the event and I was realizing that we need to go. I need to go faster today than I did yesterday. I even texted my wife. And she's like, oh, how's it? Like, how do you feel out there? And I was like, it's a lot more technical than I thought it was. You know, it, it's a really cool energy that we are like discovering you know afterwards you know we finished straight away there's cokes and you know sports drinks then you go into a little village uh, like a lunch kind of booth area and you can pick up a little picnic lunch everyone's just in there chatting hanging out sharing their experience talking about how they did which is kind of exactly what i enjoy most about these events and i think that's what i said you know yesterday was like i'm looking forward most to after the races of course i love riding but just hanging out with people and, and talking to people afterwards i'm looking forward to well we're in the leaders jersey tomorrow our beautiful jersey we're not going to get to wear. I don't know, what's our plan for attack tomorrow, Boz? Well, I think we got 98K, some big climbing. The thing going forward, I guess, for the rest of the race is we don't get a chance to pre-ride the course. We had a chance to kind of see and know what was coming today. And even so, Mitch still went down the A line and stopped and kind of made a little mistake when I was able to loop around the B line and, and catch up. But I think it's kind of nice now that we know where we stand, I guess, in our category because it's going to be fun to actually you know be part of the race we i guess we start in the front we're you know i think 10 minutes behind the pros maybe five minutes behind the pro women so we kind of get to actually see the technical skills of our competition and not that we came here to win or maybe will win but i think both of our racing instinct has kind of been invigorated by the fact that we'll be in a leader jersey and it's one thing i guess i this keeps happening in my retirement of gravel and, and i guess now mountain biking keep having low expectations and finding myself in a position of doing much better than i do you know when was a lot have you ever had a leader jersey in any race as a as a pro i mean we're not in the pro race here but did you ever have a leader's jersey no i, I don't think i ever had a leader's jersey as a pro no so we're going to be in the, I believe it's an orange leader's jersey. So we're going to be in that tomorrow. Unfortunately, we don't get to wear our very cool custom Digger and Doughboy jerseys. But if you're looking for us, we'll be in the, we'll be in the orange leader's jersey of the amateur category of Cape Epic. All right, we've parked up. This is brilliant. I'm loving this. This is what I think this is what Cape Epic's about. It's about the camper life for us anyway. And it's Camper Village here. We were very lucky because Dave and Fran Miller and their sidekick Nick, they saved us a spot, an awesome spot. And we've got this awesome setup here. I wish I could paint the picture for you, but we've got a nice set of table full of snacks. We've got a couple of beers and drinks, different drinks going. Got our, both our doors facing each other. So we've got like a little bit of a community feel. Nice gazebo as well. Behind me, I'm not even looking at it. This mountain behind me, is just, it's just beautiful here. Dave, I'll talk to you first. Firstly, paint the, help me paint the picture of where we are, and then secondly, tell me about your day. Well, we're in a place called Hermanus, which is 
up the coast from Cape Town. It's a beautiful place. It's known for whale watching. Whales come into the harbour here. We're in this kind of, it's almost like a bowl. There's like mountains around, like lovely sort of rock-faced green. I mean, a little bit daunting because we've got to ride over these tomorrow and maybe the next day. And yeah, and it's like a compound. I was speaking to Boz before. It's kind of like Tour de France on Mescaline. Uh, it's like, it's bigger than the Tour de France. It's a lot friendlier. You know, it's just a mountain bike vibe, which I've never been involved in before. So it's great. And we're facing your, your van, which is just plastered and digger and the doughboy and life in the pedal. Actually, that was genius because when we got here, we told the guy who was managing the car park, can you save a spot for our friends, uh, digger and doughboy? And <laughs> he kind of knew you guys were coming. It was brilliant. But no, it's been good. It's, uh, today was a great day with my sister. This was her idea, mad idea, three months ago, four months ago. And it's been uh, super impressed by her because she didn't even own a mountain bike before let alone ride one. So today was the first day and we got through. Now let's hear the different different side of the story. <laughs> Fran, how was it out there? Because it wasn't an easy course. I can just, I can tell you that because it was just like, it was hard uphill. The downhills weren't that easy either. There was some groom trail, which was pretty nice, but it was a pretty tough day out there. Yeah, the first descent was horrible. That gave me the shits because we'd done the first climb yesterday. So I thought, oh, okay, I can do the first climb. That's fine. And then that first descent was awful. Um, but then I actually didn't find the rest of it too bad. Um, and then I stupidly read an article on the way here that said that they deliberately make the prologue easy so they lull you into a false <laughs> sense of security and that's giving me the shits again. So yeah, so it's a roller coaster of emotion at the moment. So they said that was easy today? Well, they said they deliberately make the prologue more doable so that people are lulled into a false sense of security. And I was sat in there with a very false sense of security, <laughs> feeling great about myself. And now I'm like, oh, shit. Have you caught the mountain bike bug, you think? Uh, I definitely prefer it to road cycling because I actually don't like road cycling. I've been doing it for such a long time and it's so boring. Um, so, yeah, I definitely prefer it to that. What is the plan of attack tomorrow, Dave? It is to, well, so we're in the mixed competition, contrary to your amateur competition. It's actually a competition I love. Okay, good. Am literally amateur. No, the mix. I love the mix. The mix is awesome. Yeah, so tomorrow the plan of attack is to not get carried away at the beginning. Francis did a sterling ride today, but was basically a threshold the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> which was perhaps not. We're anticipating about six hours tomorrow, six and a half hours in the saddle. That's optimistic, I think. I mean, realistic, pragmatic. Seven. Francis is saying seven. So yeah, I mean, I think we're just going to go through and Francis is learning as she goes along as well. So I kind of have to be careful. I'm going to start looking over my left shoulder a bit because I'm looking. I was thinking about that today. I might at the end of the week, my right, I might do my necking because I have to just mm. keep an eye on France because it gets quite annoying. Well, you know what it's like, because sometimes I think you always manage to hold the same distance behind me. Now, I, is that me or is that you deciding? I don't know. I think it's you being in front of me the whole time. I don't think I'm deciding. Six oh seven in the morning, Boz. We've had breakfast. We're just pulling out the road book here to have a look. What have we got ahead of us today, mate? Day two, stage one. Good morning, Mitch. We have ninety-eight k, two thousand five hundred and fifty meters of climbing. Uh, looks like we have a pretty good mix of paved roads, single track, some dirt roads, and then something called district, which we have not yet deciphered what it means. Whether it means like a dirt road, maybe it's private roads, but I guess we'll find out today because I guess when I look back at yesterday's, there was no district on course, which maybe it's a, a term we should try to figure out before we hit the start line this morning. 
All right, we're standing here at the showers. Um, this is one thing that's pretty cool. You come around, there's a big shower block here, and it's a good chance to catch up with different people. I'm here with Chris and Stiaban, who actually were in our category. Boys, I'm just starting to come back to life. That was a tough day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I think, I mean, it was tough to actually kind of hold back for us because, you know, we're, it's first time for us to come, come to the Cape Epic. So we've got to make it last eight days. And so as much as we're keen, we're sort of always trying to hold back. So I think that went in our favor today because we actually feel pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to feel better, yeah. better than yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, we and we crept up way too many ranks, you know, like we, we were like, oh, let's just keep steady. And then we looked at the results when we got there. And oh, we obviously didn't do that very well, but we feel good. So what were your feelings of like the first stage? You like the single track? Was it, you know, too hard? Was it, you know, too technical? No, it was good. I think it was a good mix. Um, you know, they didn't chuck us on the road too much and the farmland was a little bit boring sometimes. That's kind of where I lost like motivation, like when it was too much farmland. But the single tracks picked it all up. I think it was a, I think it was a good mix. Yeah. You know, you, yeah, you kept the momentum going. What about the, the, the actual toughness of the day? Would you think it was like, okay, or what do you think? Well, the toughness is not that, uh, that more on the side of the technical more of uh, like the kilometers and the and the wind the wind was crazy yeah plus the elevation so you, you gotta have your mindset not to go too hard at the first 50 kilometers or you'll burn out that was my problem and I'm a bit nervous about the rest of the race what are you thinking now with just this like it's essentially day one you know that was just yeah. the prologue yesterday and we've still got like a hundred and something tomorrow 118 I think the next day like it's it's big to come. I know it's big. What are you thinking now? Just recovery. You you have to use your time now for recovery, so your body catch up with, with what you want to do, and keep it simple. That's what I like about this race. You just come here, race, eat, recover, and then race again. It is. Where, where are you sleeping? Are you in tents or are you in the campus? Yeah. What's it like in tent village? It's actually pretty good. I mean, when people ask me, well, this morning someone asked, like, how was it sleep in the tent? I just said, well, it's a tent, you know, so it's, it's going to be average, but we were yeah, tired. so we be, Because he's the one who snores. That's why. <laughs> that's why. All right, boys, it's time for a beer, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll see you at the bar. <laughs> well, I've just cracked it. Beautiful. A CPA, that is a Cape Pale Ale, the essence of Cape Town, Jack Black's dry hopped and I'm sitting here with Nick Lamonds, mate tell me a little bit about the beers that we're drinking first uh, that's easy um, Jack Black's is a craft brewery out of Cape Town um, in my opinion the best uh, yeah the best craft brewery in the in the country to be fair um, yeah they're just cool local guys um, been making really good beer for probably uh, I don't know 10-15 years now yeah don't drink anything else to be fair I can tell you first sips very nice and they come in the tall cans it's something that I've seen over here they're the big boys so when you offer a can to someone it's like whoa Alright, I guess we're doing it. I guess we're doing, you know, half a litre of beer, it's more or less. Which is great, but I wanted to get Nick here because he's done 11 Cape Epics. And just a little bit to explain about what this is, because I've been absorbed into it as well. And we're sort of in this bubble here and, and just explain the whole, you know, this race, you know, how it came about. And I guess the day-to-day -day sort of goings-ons, you know, we're in this, the RV village and then there's a tent village and then people stay off site. So I guess back to the beginning, how'd this, how'd this race all come about from your knowledge? So it started in 2000, uh, yeah, 2004. The founder had raced something called La Ruta de Conquistadores. I think it's in, like, I don't know, Venezuela or Colombia or somewhere. And uh, like the concept, this kind of like stage racing concept. And originally the Cape Epic started in a little um, 
kind of coastal town called Neisner and headed down towards Cape Town. In the early days, to be honest, it was pretty shit. There was like a lot of transport, a lot of gravel roads and corrugations, and we just had to cover massive distances. So it was a bit more elevation, and it was like a, basically a glorified gravel race with a little bit of single track thrown in here and there. And over the years, the race has developed into, I would say, predominantly single track, or rather the single track is the major feature. And you read some, some stuff today. I mean, there's some in sort of really prime single track, really loamy, fun, flowy stuff through the trees in the gorge that you rode this morning. Um, you know, and, and local bike um, clubs and stuff will, will prepare all of that and keep it running. And those trails are available year round. And in fact, the Epic's probably contributed to a lot of these, this trail network springing up um, because guys develop it for the race. And then, you know, the race may or may not use it again the following year. And so the local clubs kind of pay for the upkeep and, you know, drive membership around getting access to these trails. So that's a real bonus. Is it prestigious? Like an area that gets Cape Epic coming through, they take a bit of pride to prepare their trails that the reputation grows from there. Oh, those trails that we did, for instance, today in the area, that people gets word of mouth and, and people in who have built it and the clubs, they get a bit of recognition. Is that sort of how it goes or not really? Yeah, I think it is how it goes. And I think uh, um, I'm not 100% sure kind of how the model works, but I think they get some support from Epic to you know to fix the trails or kind of maintain the trails to just make sure if you have a you know rainy day or a, or a, a really dusty day or whatever it is you know in the build-up to to the event you might have some erosion and you might have you know some of the trails fall apart a bit and and so the guys kind of have got some cash to to um, make sure that they're prime by the time the epic rolls into town um, but yeah it is a prestigious thing absolutely I mean the world the mountain bike world in South Africa stops I mean, I, I still feel like there's, you know, there's some great riding that the Epic will never touch in this country. In fact, some of the better trails, um, you just can't take, you know, the average Joe up there because you need quite a lot of skill and uh, some of it's fairly inaccessible. But for the most part, the Epic ticks, you know, probably 90% of or 80% of the best trails in the Western Cape. Well, like I've ridden a few trails in the last year or so, and I'm sort of understanding what's hard and what's not hard. And this for me already is more techie than I thought it would have been. Doing the ones in Australia, reef to reef and Cape to Cape, they really tailor for the every Joe blow. And there was not really much techie stuff in it. And this was, I liked it. You know, it was sort of like a few challenging points and I'm loving all the built little bridges and things like that. That This just adds to it. You know, you come across a river and there's like a cool little bridge built. There's heaps of them out there today. So you feel that work in there. And personally, I don't love the really groomed stuff. And I'm liking that it's a bit rough and rocky and you got to really work at your, your pedal stroke and things like that let's talk about the whole setup here because that was interesting for me when you were starting to tell me actually we, we met when we we're picking up our campers well like tell me how it all sort of started out and came about was it all just tense in the beginning and it grew like and how did it all come about there so i think originally it was just tense you know the first uh, i think seven or eight epics that i did um were intense and it was intense um, literally, I think as as more pro teams kind of started to join um, join the fray, there, there was a need to kind of have you know a, a little bit more independence with the guys. Um, also, I think it's partly health related. You know, if you're in with everybody, um, it just raises the chance of getting sick or kind of picking up some t- stomach bug or whatever. And if someone in the kind of camp goes down, you know, then 
you know, everybody goes down. And I think as the prestige of the race improved or increased, then the campers, so, so probably about maybe eight years ago, every pro team would have had a camper set up. Um, so two or three campers, they'd corral them and they put a gazebo in the middle and, you know, the, all the staff would sleep in tents outside. The um, pro riders would be in the campers and the mechanics and maybe even a chef or something would be in the middle. What kind of started to happen was actually pro teams started to go off site. And then, in fact, I think a lot of the you know, kind of back markers and corporate entrants and stuff decided, you know, I'm, I'm on holiday. I'm taking a week off. It doesn't have to be this hard. You don't have to sleep in a little tiny tent. And they are tiny. I mean, to paint the picture, they, they're not a tent you can stand up in. And I mean, you know, getting dressed in the morning, uh, putting chamois cream on and, you know, trying to get your bibs on and whatever when you're crouched over. It's, it's not that exciting. So the kind of the, the race started to get really professional and kind of, you know, in that respect, I think everybody started to sort of sort themselves out. But it's a huge boost to the local economy. And, and tourism here yeah, just goes through the roof when the Epic rolls into town. One other really interesting point is the Sagwagon, a name that I know, but it's actually called the Hyenas here. But of course, there can't be a vehicle out there. It's actually one or I think it's two two riders that ride at the back. Tell me more about it, Nick, because this is, this is really interesting, fascinating. So the sweep riders for the Cape Epic are essentially um, two guys who do sometimes 11 hour days on the bike every day for eight days um they have they they usually leave um the start finish shoots about half an hour after the last rider their stories are actually what this race is about they have a very very interesting role they're part psychologist part mechanic part kind of uh you know motivators um they they sort of kind of herding cats a little bit there's a sometimes if somebody gets lost on route or there's a split in the road and a signage is blown down they sometimes have to go and retrieve guys who've gone off for you know a couple of k's and i mean just catching up with these guys on the finish line i mean when there's you know a 10 or 11 hour cutoff uh and you go down to the finish line and chat to the hyenas when they roll and i mean sometimes they they've uh you know they get the organizers to bring them lights because they're bringing guys in and you know and the dusk is coming down and you know the dinner service has already started guys are already getting prizes for from the day and you know you got two or three or four, five guys rolling across the line and then it can also get quite sort of um, sketchy out there because you know as you can appreciate there's a hell of a lot of lot tied up in someone doing the cape epic so guys don't get off their bike very easily so very often these guys whose job it is to make sure that everybody gets across the line safely they've got to negotiate with you know you know hey look you're not going to make cut off you're definitely not going to be finishing the cape epic today and um, they get a hell of a lot of pushback <laughs> But uh, yeah, they deal with a lot of shit out there, a lot of mechanicals and a lot of like crashes and, and things like that. And guys who just will not give up and sort of keep on trucking the whole way. And there's one guy who's done it for a, for a long time. I don't know, not all of them, but the guy that does every day. Who? What's his name? Uh, Richard McMartin. Uh, yeah, he's actually used to be part of the Cape Epic organization. I think when he left, one of his deals was, I want to ride the ride as a hyena. You know, so every year he's back. Uh, and he has sometimes a different partner each year. Um, but he loves it. He reckons it's the greatest part of this whole event is just kind of hearing the war stories and sort of being part of the war stories on the, out there in the bush. How, like, how patient are, this, are these guys? Like, how could they not lose their mind just riding behind someone so slow going, well, it looks like this is going to take another five hours? Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you definitely have to... You have to be a certain kind of rider to, to, to be able to pull it off. I mean, you're doing a hell of a lot. You know, it's quite, I, what I find fascinating is... Look, the pros are in, I mean, you guys are in in whatever, let's say 
three, four, five hours every day. Very, un- very rare to have a, a, a day that's longer than five hours at the Cape Epic for, for a pro athlete. It's, it's happened, but it's, it's, it's not common. Those guys are out there for like 11, day, 11 hours. And 11 hours compounded over eight days, it's brutal. I mean, I don't care who you are. Like, I mean, if you try and put a pro athlete out there, they, you know, they're begging for lunch, you know, after four or five hours. And these guys have got to get it all. Um, I mean, they carry big backpacks with loads of spares and, you know, they can actually, you know, basically pull a bike apart out there but they're not mechanics they're actually just there to to make sure that everybody try you know as as much as possible gets across the line um yeah and they can obviously radio for medical help or whatever if they need to but yeah super patient Well, hey, Boz, we're obviously here at Cape Epic, but one thing that I was trying to work out before I came here was how am I going to track this, concentrate on what I'm doing, because on the trails, I didn't want to be looking down at my head unit the whole time. And now I've got the Rival Watch, the Wahoo Rival Watch, and it's perfect for me because I've got it on my wrist. It's out of vision, but when I need to check the kilometers, I just flick my wrist over and go, oh, still 80K to go. But also what I like about it is I don't even have to wear a heart rate strap anymore. It's on my wrist, taking my heart rate. I'm really, really enjoying using that here because it feels like it's a new thing for me, not looking down at the head unit all day, yet I still got all my data there at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I guess I work with a lot of athletes at Wahoo and we're finding that more mountain bikers actually prefer that style of just of not having a bike computer, of using the watch. I'm still a fan of, of the bike computer. I've got the Element Roam on my bike. So I do get it, you know, especially there's times when we're jumping on roads and I get to see, you know, what's coming. But oftentimes in a mountain bike race, which I'm learning, you don't have the opportunity to look down and see what's coming. You know, you're not following a track. There's there's signs, there's, you know, people ahead of you. But obviously I'm still curious of, of my ride and recording it. And I guess the beauty for myself is I have the rival watch and I have the bike computer. So I'm able to, you know, beam my heart rate from my watch to my bike computer. Yeah, it's been a nice way for us to kind of uh, explore the whole ecosystem. It's been great too, because once we got here, you showed me that it can also track my sleep. And that's been interesting to see here how deep I'm actually going each day. And that's something that's great here, opposed to being in the world tour, is that if we wake up feeling a little bit off or rotten, or you know, you found out you haven't slept that well, we can just back it off a little bit. That's the great thing about this event and being able to track my sleep through the rival watch as well. Yeah, it's, it's a new feature that we've had for maybe just over a year. You know, sleep tracking has become a huge part of, you know, anyone who's pursuing endurance sports or even just in the professional workspace, just to make sure that they're optimizing, you know, whether it's bedtime habits, drinking alcohol, you know, whatever it may be, you know, sleep has become a really key metric in our society. So it's, it's cool that, you know, you always have a watch on anyways. It's not like a special accessory that you need to put on. And uh, yeah, you can see how you're sleeping. Well, let's go and hear what else we're up to. Well, we're back in the camper. Day one, so the official first stage is done. Personally, I feel like I'm about day six. This was a big, big first day. Look, on the successful side of things, we're still in the jersey. We actually won our category today. One thing that does differ, I think, to some of the other guys out there, and no disrespect to them, is that we've actually had experience racing at the top level. So our tactics, tactical mind is sort of in tune. Whether that works in mountain biking or not, I don't know, but it seemed to work out pretty well today. We are suffering, like the race took off pretty hard in the beginning and I was I was on my limit a few times and the group split up. Next thing I know, I thought, you know, it might be good to get a head start on this climb and they sort of let me go. Tell the rest of the story, Ian. 
Well, even before that, we were on the first paved climb, and we kind of hit it like a little bit of a crosswind. And uh, <laughs> and I, I guess our competition in the in the amateur category, Mitch is like, hey, put it like move to the right, put it in the gutter. And and I heard him. I'm not sure if you heard this, but he said, oh no, we'll drop him on the descent, which actually did make more of a separation than than the climb. Um, be about 40k in, we we're in a group of like eight of us off the front, or like the lead of of the A category, which is like also including us, the amateurs, but also the A. Masters riders and the A Grand Masters riders, which I assume are the you know the folks over sixty. You just got a little bit of a gap off the front, and instinctually our tactics just worked out. I was like, oh, this is perfect. I like sat behind for a little while, so like the gap was big enough that it was a big effort to come across. So I knew that no one would come with me. I jumped across on this pretty darn steep climb, and before you know it, you and I were off off the front. And by this point, we were actually catching some of the tail end of the of the pro riders and we found ourselves off the front of the a category 40k in thinking what are we going to do next this is a 98k stage so we ended up just sort of riding together and just sort of i felt like we were sort of in control but actually it, it did catch up on us and um look later in the day we we both sort of fell apart um, but pushed on as as true seasoned roadies as we are, you know, sort of keep pushing on. And it, look, it was it was a big day. It was a great day for me. Not coming from mountain biking, I thought it was quite amazing out there. A lot of great single trail, heaps of single trail, heaps of handmade bridges, and there was a bit of road too. But Jeep track when I'm talking about road, but there was there was a lot of single track out there. What about you, Ian? What did you think about the what you imagined of this event and what you have small experience from mountain biking? How did that compare for you? I guess it's been both more and less technical than I thought. I mean, in general, overall, it's there is nothing out there today that wasn't that if I went and like did it multiple times, I couldn't ride. That said, it's more just the random roads and kind of loose turns that are maybe for me more sketchy and we're like probably we'd see a huge difference if we we're in the pro race where they would just go through the turn at full speed and you and i would both be unclipped in the in the grass on the side you know one thing that just i, I noticed more than anything is just the roughness of all day you know there's a lot of times when we're just in like a farmer's field and it's just rough and, and you, you feel bogged down you feel slow i think like just the grinding of it is much more it, it's hard to kind of stay on top of your cadence and like stay rolling it's just like you constantly you constantly have resistance and i think on the road you oftentimes you're just like cruising along and you can like accelerate we just kind of feel a bit bogged down put in perspective the level of fatigue let's let's run through the body what's going on here you know i know we're only day one and we're banging on about how tired we are but it, it was seriously hard out there tell, tell me what happened to you There's something that happened to me in my first mountain bike race the Otway Odyssey, and if everyone hasn't heard that, go back and listen because you know it's it's a tale of a story. Same thing happened to Boz today. What happened? The body started falling apart, didn't it? Yeah, maybe 20, 25k to go. I felt my like middle toe start to like twinge, and I was like, okay, it's just my toe, and I you know, kind of moved around in my shoe, kind of went away, but not too long after, I started to feel like a hamstring cramp on the right side. Then it turned to the left side, and there was a couple times when I'm like, oh boy, if I this could get to the point where I actually need to stop and get off my bike. And there was one point when you were kind of, another group had caught up to us. And I was like, Mitch might be, you know, 10 seconds ahead of me and I might be on the side of the road, stop trying to straighten. I mean, I also realized because the, just the mental and like physical focus of riding, I very seldom just stood up to like do a stretch. I think that's one thing you do a lot on the road that you don't realize is, you know, you're on a long descent and you kind of stand up, you know, stretch out your calves, stretch your hamstrings. And because most of the time descending here is like technical, you're not thinking about doing a stretch. So I tried to do that, 
put into bigger gear on some of the climbs. I'm not sure if you're supposed to like spin more or bog it down when you have cramps because I've never had them before. But I just tried to like do a little bit more standing on the climb just to kind of stretch out my my hamstrings. And we, we did make it to the finish without a cramp. But there was a moment there when I was like, I don't know what to do if this actually fully seizes up. I think tomorrow we can probably focus more on the people that are behind us and maybe we're not going to do a, a hero attack halfway through the stage. I'm wondering, do you think the hero attack sort of cemented that we can have a bit of pull in this bunch now? Like, we can sort of go, look, this is a pace we're riding, we go hard when we need to, you know, like a bit of a road feel. You know when someone's like a team, they're in the leader's jersey, and then they do something like, whoa, you guys are... Yeah, okay, you guys seriously control that situation. And then you go, cool, whatever you guys need to do, you do it. And we're going to try and attack you when we can. They sort of cement their, hey, we've got the leader's jersey. Don't worry about that. Do you think we did that today? Or do you think it's just going to be free-for-all, Asian-style racing, attacks just going? Like, maybe maybe we made a bit of a statement that, like, we're strong enough to, like, do these, you know, maybe ill-advised moves. Um, but I will say I think that the folks around us also observed my weakness, which is the downhills. So they may try and, like, exploit that aspect of the race. And, and the whole tactics of this are really interesting because you and your teammate have to be two minutes apart, but you can kind of, like, send a teammate a little bit up the road, and then there's points today when, like, each team had one rider up the road then you know, one rider behind, but you really don't have to worry about the rider up the road because he can only get so far ahead of the rider behind. So it, it really is, you know, it's tactical, but it's very different than road racing because you can't, you can't really send a rider just up the road and like, hey, you're going to chase. Because they just follow you and they say, well, if you don't bridge up to them, then, you know, the time's taken off of us behind, you know, sitting back here, not the guy up the road. Five thirty-three, actually. It's actually earlier than yesterday. But day three, stage two. Boz, how's the body? What have we got ahead? Well, Mitch, we have stage two, hundred and sixteen k, eighteen fifty meters of climbing. Body is sore. I don't think either of us have done many stage races since we've left the World Tour, and. You know, we had done a hard day of racing yesterday. We both done some one-day events. To wake up and feel like this isn't necessarily uncommon anymore, but to wake up and feel like this before the sun has come up and to realize we have to do it again, that's kind of bringing some flashbacks of the past. And you and I both know that by the time we get on the bike, start moving, we'll probably feel better, but it's more just like that aches of like, oh boy, I'm I'm feeling it this morning. But we've got some coffee, some oats, and um, hopefully once we start moving, we'll wake up a little bit. John O'Connor, Stuart Goodman, we're here at the laundry service, which is actually quite phenomenal how all this gets done. I don't know how they do it, but we were just reminiscing on the last 12, 15K today when we took an unnecessary turn onto single track, didn't we? Yeah, it was pretty unexpected. Um, we thought from this morning that we were just going to come straight in on the road, but due to the way Epic does it, they try to kill you at the end, always. You can hear the village, but they take you away from the village, just to screw with you mentally. But the last 15 Ks was so brutal. I think everyone was caught unawares and everyone's totally wrecked from it. But hang on a second, we're here to do mountain biking. Why are we complaining about going on single track? But I mean, we can do it for the first 100 Ks and the last 15 Ks, we can just like cruise into the, cruise into the race village. <laughs> I totally agree because I was on my hands and knees trying to follow Ian to get in. So guys, how are you feeling 
three days in, I guess. Well, I was thinking of going home tonight. I don't know if we'll, we'll do, I don't know, we'll take one day at a time. Yeah, we just tick the days off and then we'll, I haven't even looked at tomorrow's stage yet. I'll look at that tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's easy. It's one of those ones that just slightly goes downhill the whole day, nice and short. That's what the epic would say, but they're talking crap. <laughs> well, we're just kicking back in the sun here. It's been a nice afternoon, relaxing. Um, a bit of a forced relax for me today. Just didn't necessarily have my best day out there. Had a bit of a the dreaded stomach problem. It's happened. We got through. Tough day today. Um, for me, I wasn't feeling great. And it became, I think I just kept telling myself, not to make it psychological and it did become psychological I think obviously you feel crap but Boz how was it out there because we were still in the race and we were going pretty good for the first 80k and then yeah you had to shift your role into a bit more of a maintenance role didn't you tell us what happened out there last night already at dinner Mitch felt his stomach acting up and this morning kind of was I'm not say panic station but definitely knew that it might be a rough day in fairness though it was probably maybe the best day for this to happen because of all the stages it was the longest stage but the least amount of climbing so we made it over actually the first two major climbs of the day in the front and you were actually I didn't maybe we should have worked on our communication a bit because you didn't I knew you weren't great this morning but I assumed you were still feeling pretty good and then you took a little nature break we did plan ahead. Maybe our biggest plan ahead of the trip was you packing some toilet paper in your jersey pocket. Luckily enough, I actually felt pretty decent coming back in. We had a lot of road and dirt road coming back in. So I was able to, and it was crosswind, so kind of perfect for two road riders to actually continue to keep the gap on, on the two riders that were chasing us. So we were able to do that. But in general, I mean, you know, this is kind of, this is one of the factors of Cape Epic, especially, you know, when you're eating in the dining hall, there's just different bacteria here. You know, stuff like this just, just happens. It does, and I reckon I've I've turned a corner. I'm on the I'm on the Pepsi's tonight. No, uh, no, yeah. Boz has got me on the no beers for one day, and um, that's probably my biggest motivation to get better. There's nothing better than having a cleansing ale after a tough day. But I have to admit, I'm not feeling like it right now. But it's not not all doom and gloom. We're still in the leaders' jersey, and uh, tomorrow will be another day. Six fifty-three. It's a bit late this morning, but that's because we've got ready, and you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a bit more awake. I'm actually a bit more lively than I felt initially this morning. Did run into a bit of the the sloppy bums yesterday, as it's called. Um, bit of a crook guts, but I don't know. I'm going up and down, and we've collectively decided today a few things, Ian, haven't we? First of all, let's talk about the stage. Give us the stage review, mate. Well, we have... Mitch actually pulled up the old stage. The original stage was 108K with 2,600 meters of climbing. But today when I went and picked up our jersey, they gave us a new stage profile, only 100K and 2,300 meters of climbing. So 8K less, 300 meters less. Uh, a little bit more single track in the new course, but the first climb we did on stage one. So we'll be familiar with that. Um but it looks like a lot of single track and from some folks around, it seems like we're going to get into some really nice trails coming up. And on that note, of course, we're both racers. We're competitive people. We just want to race and that's what's happened so far. And I think given the circumstances now, me just feeling a little bit off, getting the old cape belly as I call it, it's going to be a good chance to actually take it, take it a notch back and enjoy some of these trails. Look, we're still going to push hard, but not over the limit. That's my 
that's what I'm going on record saying right now. Is it going to happen, Ian? I mean, I feel like this is what we said every day. This is what we said before we came to the race. We're going to have fun. We'll ride hard. But it's just that racer instinct. Like the minute you get into it and someone starts pushing it, you just something switches in your brain. You're just like, all right, let's go. So we'll try to tame that today. Well, I'm back here at the medical tent um, here with Dr. Darren Green. This is a really important facility here at the Cape Epic. Um, not necessarily a nice thing, but very, very important, Darren. Tell me about this, you know, because I've been here a couple of times, a lot of people are coming through. Tell me about the whole medical setup here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got a, an incredible field of athletes ranging from elite athletes and then, of course, obviously your amateur athletes. And they all have a similar needs. Elite athletes suffer from pretty much the same ailments as normal people. So we've got a massive team. We've got a pre-hospital team on the route with, uh, with rescue medics, paramedics. We've got three dedicated water points with uh, doctors and nurses along the route that look after everybody to check in if they're feeling unwell. And then the race hospital is a, basically a, a 20 eight-bed hospital uh, with a four-bed ICU. So that's intensive care facilities to look after really, really serious cases. Uh, and then on site, we have what's called a point of care for kidney function testing. You can imagine in grueling endurance events such as this, you have uh, the, the issue of dehydration and getting the fluid electrolyte balance right over such a long distance in multi-stage racing is the, one of the biggest challenges to any cyclist. Uh, that, uh, you know, where you're competing with traveling as an international client, obviously dealing with the local water, getting with uh, what we call traveler's diarrhea, which is uh, quite, quite common when you travel to different countries and you're not used to the local water. That, uh, and then obviously on race day, you can imagine people are pushing themselves so, so far that they develop all sorts of things that they don't have, have during training. And uh, we see a host of various pathologies at this hospital. So, and then you spoke about it before, a term that I've heard around the camp is gypo gut. Um, yeah, where, where's this term come from? I've, I've heard it's a, it's a slang word for gravy guts, you know. Is it, it, like you said, it's just the simple getting used to the new, I guess, water or bacteria or whatever it is in the environment. Is that what it is? Yeah, so gypo guts means you've got a uh, gastroenteritis, which means uh, an, in, an infection uh, that affects the stomach. And then enteritis affects, obviously, the, the rest of the gastrointestinal tract. So uh, that you can pick up from so many different things. You could have it from food, you could have it from water. Uh, and there's just so many different causative organisms of gastro. In summer, it's very common for those organisms to, to flourish. And, uh, you know, in, in, in racing, uh, people are very uncertain sometimes whether they have an infection or whether they have what's called gastric distress. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of gastric distress in athletes. So when you're cycling, obviously you have massive uh, blood being pumped to the big muscle groups and it bypasses the stomach to a large extent and your stomach feels like it's standing still and that the content is basically just not moving and you don't have an appetite, especially as you push yourself harder and harder. And then when you suddenly stop, the blood now suddenly moves from the muscles back to the other, other organs and then you feel dizzy, like you want to collapse and pass out. And that uh, obviously is postural hypotension. So, I mean, you've got all these things to consider uh, when doing a, a race like this. But I think one of the biggest things is just knowing your own body and understanding uh, what to look for in terms of red flags when you're on the bike, when it comes to gastro and, and hydration checks and so on. So are you producing any urine? What's the color of your urine? It's like a, it's like a map to the world.
Well, Boz, it's been another eventful day, as always, on the Cape Epic. Lots going on uh, outside of riding as well. But as we found out this morning, the stage had been shortened. It was a nice surprise, actually. And I think um, it treated us well out there. I actually had a pretty good day. My legs were feeling pretty good. Um, and we started the same way. It sort of helped knowing the route. And now I'm understanding why the South Africans, the ones who have ridden it a few times and know the trails well, they do have a massive upper hand. Um, just knowing what's coming. Even though we only knew probably the first 10, maybe 12 kilometers of today's route, it was nice sort of knowing what you had. But yeah, a really nice day. Lots of uh, single trail and uh, yeah, it was quite a nice day. But Boz, did we stick to the plan? I would say yes and no. We let other people dictate the pace today. We did not do any pace dictating on the group. That said, we still rode hard. And maybe maybe my legs were a little bit more tired than yours after my poles yesterday. But I think we finished and we probably rode more steady throughout the whole day. It was actually I mean, also because of most of the single track. I think today was like the most mountain bike kind of technical, probably fun day just as far as like riding. I guess how are you feeling at this point? We're halfway through the race now and I know we've been talking it up every day how tired we are and things like that. I don't know whether I've sort of made a mental switch from yesterday or the day before when it's just so early that you're like, there's just no way. This is just so hard. I've sort of been like, I've seen how everyone's fatiguing at the same today. Everyone's at the same level. I know it's an obvious thing to say, but can almost get my head around it a bit more than yesterday. Again, a very obvious thing to say. You sort of start to get in the motion of it. It's almost like, it is almost like a grand tour or a smaller one week tour where you start to get in the motion of it and you can start to smell, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, if that even makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a grand tour. I mean, you never do a 21-day training block, but somehow you can get through a 21-day grand tour. Physically, everyone's at a pretty similar level of fatigue. I think for the non-mountain bikers, you and me included, I think all the other additional mountain bike fatigue is setting in. My fingers, forearms, you know, things like that that I wouldn't experience on the road. But we are halfway through. We have probably less kilometers to ride coming up than we have ridden prior, although we do have the queen stage in a couple shorter days with... A lot of climbing. On that note, I did visit the medic centre tonight. I'm just like, what's going on here? I've got to stop going to the bathroom. So I went across there and tried to take care of everything. And I'm hoping to wake up tomorrow a new man with the time trial ahead of us. Boz, it's early, but it seems late here. It's dark outside. It's probably only 8 o'clock at night, but it almost might be time for a bit of shut-eye. You are just about to hit the hay yourself? Yeah, we've had some early mornings. Hopefully a later start tomorrow with the time trial. So let's flip off the lights and head to bed. Alright Boz, we're strolling across through Camper Village now, um, just walking from our camper, because if we haven't explained it already, there's a whole lot of campers here, and we all sort of set up this cool little village, we're at the next campsite now, but today is the morning of the time trial, we're halfway through, <sighs> struggles me to say that, we're only halfway, Boz, just quickly give us a rundown of what today's stage is. We have the stage four Conte du Monde, the time trial, 47K. I think it's, is it 80, 850 meters of climbing? So not as much climbing as days past and actually per kilometer less climbing in the prologue. But we do have a lot of single track today. Probably the most amount of single track, I think in any day of the Cape Epic. Now we're walking across to get our bikes because they're over at the other village where they get done by our mechanic. Um, but Boz, I was just seeing before, can you compare this to anything 
that you've done on the road what what sort of comparison can you say where we at now halfway through essentially a Paris Nice um you know Sunday to Sunday is that sort of feeling you know like a time trial midway through Paris Nice are you feeling like that in a way yes I guess I'd almost compare it to something like Paris Nice crossed with the migration gravel race I did in Kenya a couple years ago because we don't obviously have all the amenities and support staff you'd have in a world tour team and we're also you know we're doing a lot of things outside the race as well you know we're doing the podcast you know we've got to look after our ourselves but you know also just making sure all the things around us are taken care of you know finding food getting getting fed but uh i think there's just fatigue that is different than something like perry nice you know i mean and we also don't have the necessarily the pressure you know we've been able to sit back in the afternoon walk around you know have a drink you know, enjoy life a little bit more. So I think the pressure like mentally is much less. You know, if, if we have a, a bad day, I don't think either of us are going to be disappointed. Well, I think I, I will agree with you on that. And I think the only thing that is differentiating, differentiating it for me is exactly what you said, the pressure. And even in the stage, for instance, I said to you, I've got crook guts now and I had crook guts in a um, Giro a few years ago. And I actually ultimately had to step off the bike after three, four days of having you know the runs because I just didn't have enough energy and I'm thinking well how can I still finish this this is so hard but at the end of the day we can just slow down for 10-15 minutes if you slow down in the world tour for five minutes for one minute for 10 seconds almost at the wrong point you're out of the race and it's it's sort of a nice thing it's something that I like about especially bike touring as well people say oh but how can you do those kilometers you know day after day you're like well you just go slower you know, there is no need to force on its threshold. And that's the difference, I think, between the world tour racing is that it's literally a split second. If you make that mistake, you're out the back, the race is over. What about one thing that you've really enjoyed so far to this point? Maybe something that you just haven't really didn't think about beforehand that you've discovered about this race or being on the trip or the camp or I don't know what. What's one thing you're really enjoying so far? I think I am enjoying most improving my mountain bike skills but also the fact that we do have the ability to kind of ride our own race. You know, we're, you know, oftentimes the group splits up pretty quickly and we get a ride together. You know, I've been able to follow whether it's yourself or the other guys in, in the front with us and just observe kind of the level of, of mountain biking and kind of like try to slowly hone in my skills. I've also just enjoyed spending time with you, Mitch, to be honest. You know, we didn't spend a ton of time together in the World Tour. We were often on different race programs. We lived in different areas. But, you know, our lives have been so parallel, but yet apart. Um, so it's been nice to actually get to spend, so far, handful of days with you and we haven't had one argument yet not yet but the time trial lays ahead well we're just here with at Mornay to get pick up our bikes name of our mechanic so um we'll go and get them and get into this tt time asked me sir two times downhill world champ cross-country world champ european champ everything he's got all the stats and he's having to follow me down the first ascent yesterday <laughs> you're riding with six-time champion of cape epic carl platt how was it can you give me what it was like following a, a roadie down a mountain bike descent? Oh, no, it's uh, super funny. You are uh, so good downhiller. <laughs> it's a nice single track and I enjoy behind you. <laughs> Laughing, I'm sure he's like, oh, there he goes. You almost crashed there. Or was, it, was there some things you could see I could improve? Oh, no, I just uh, try to take your, your flow on the turns. I think you need to improve your out of the turn. Okay. Maybe the inside is good, but after you need to open the, the brakes and 
Make the bike run. <laughs> what about today? We're sitting in the time trial shoot now, about to head off. Are you expecting to catch us pretty quickly? We're just a minute in front of you. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's so windy. I think it's so flat. Maybe it's good for you and not good for us. All right, we'll see. Famous last words. We'll see you out there, I think. Thank you. Thanks to you. Short finger gloves. I don't believe it. What's the go? Short finger glove. I thought it's always long finger in mountain bike. Um, I'm using a short one because if not, I can touch my gels or whatever I have in, in my pockets. And it's much better with uh, short, short gloves. Well, there we heard it from one of the best. <laughs> All right, Boz, I've got to get it while the emotion's there. Post-race thoughts. Time trial's done. We've only just finished a few moments ago. What the hell, Mitch? I mean, we keep saying we're going to go easy. That first 20 minutes, I was there was a master's team ahead of us, master's team behind us. They both caught us, passed us. You were having a jolly old time sitting on them. You're riding behind Thomas, downhill world champ, learning like the ropes, working on your skills. We came up to a couple open sections. You're just having to sit on the back of those guys, and I'm just in the wind flapping, trying to come back across. I think it's also due to the fact that I take a little while to warm up, and I just wasn't warmed up yet, like wasn't completely going yet. There was a moment when I was like, you know what? Screw Mitch, I might just stop so we get a time penalty, lose the jersey, drop back in GC, but eventually I warmed up. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, when you get you're frustrated, but you're more just frustrated at yourself than, but you take, like, because you, you mentioned later on in the race, you, I could have just said, hey Mitch, let's slow down, but you just get to that stupid, stubborn state where you're like, I'm just going to, like, punish him by punishing myself. But in the end, that was actually a really, a really fun stage. There's a lot of really cool single track. We rode it hard once again, but I think uh, oh, it, was, it was also just fun to, as you said, it's fun to ride fast. Well, my question for you, I was going to ask you, and I bring out my recorder, is were you still trying to chase those masters? Because I kept seeing, we could kept seeing Michael and Craig just ahead of us. Was there a desire to like, oh, we can get back to them? Afterwards, you mean after we sat up and said, let's cruise? No, I don't think so. I think I was just genuinely going solid to just get over the hills and they were just sitting at that pace. Like, I think we could have completely closed that gap if we wanted to. Like, there was never maximum at the end there. I think at the start, yeah, for sure, I was trying to stay with them. I was trying to close that gap when it opened up on the on the open bits because I thought, from what you told me, hey, I'll always get back on the roads. And then a couple times I looked back <laughs> and, and I knew it was hard for you. So ultimately, yeah, I sat up once and we got back together and then I distanced you again and then I could tell you were getting frustrated. It was just sort of like me the other day when I was, wasn't feeling that good. I just had to tell you, and it, and it hurts your pride. We never want to have to tell someone to slow down. And that day I had to tell you, hey, I'm the weak link today, slow down. Physically, you weren't the weak link today. It was just the technical stuff. And it was on the limit for me. And I, on my side of things, and this is a selfish side of things, I really enjoyed following Platt and Thomas because those guys are world-class. And I was just like sitting with world-class riders following them and going they're not dropping me so it was it was quite exciting and i was just like oh well, balls i'll catch up with him later well i guess that's where part of my frustration comes from is because like i know how fun it was for you to ride with those folks and i guess then my thought is like oh i bet mish w wishes he was had a different partner so he could actually ride with these guys but it was just cool to i mean it was cool to ride with those guys even the few sections that like i you know i wouldn't lose that much time you know slowly improving slightly but uh i think you can confidently say that you're uh, you're a pretty damn good mountain biker on the final note yeah cool it was nice riding with them for a bit but those guys are on another level and they were cruising when we were there and ultimately when they kicked into gear of course we were gone so look all in all i'm very happy it was 50k today because that was well and truly enough
we can't hear it now, but just moments ago, there was rain smashing into the camper and it's been pouring down all night, actually pouring down since yesterday afternoon. Once we got back in from the time trial, it was pretty funny when it first started raining, but it's been raining all night and went out to the toilet and it's really, really wet out there. It's pretty miserable. Boz, we're on the morning of stage five. What do we got ahead of us, mate, apart from that torrential rain and sloppy conditions? Well, Mitch, we have the queen stage of this year's Cape Epic. 102K, 200 or 2,000. 450 feet of climbing we also go over some pass that i guess is the highest point of most cape epics i think it's just over a thousand meters and then we have some uh historic downhill i guess where the afrikaans when the british moved into the cape they didn't want to be part of the british colony so they fled cape and went inland and went over this pass with ox and wagon and created kind of a historical site now which the tracks run up the climb and we're not allowed to ride that so we have to portage down that um, which could be a little bit sloppy in the rain but I don't know about you but one of the things I looked forward to most in retirement from professional road racing was not having to ride or race in the rain and here we find ourselves pissing in the rain once it started raining yesterday I was hoping it was going to get it all out of its system but it seems to have persisted all night and into the into this morning so hopefully it clears up later today yeah that's right i'm i'm definitely not looking forward to it it's not not what i signed up for looks like it's going to be sunny later in the day lucas balm now i spoke to you on the first day just before things got going um and you were wearing the number one saddle cloth and now you've taken the lead how great was today it was well look it wasn't a great day because it was an absolutely horrible day one of the worst days i've ever ridden in to be honest but actually for you it was a great day physically for you and your partner. I don't know about physically because we, we probably suffered as much as you did or as everyone did. Um, the conditions were brutal. Like you said uh, before, it was probably one of the worst days or hardest days on the bike I, I had so far. I never experienced um, conditions like that. Water running towards you while you're riding trails up. Uh, and on a cheap track, so you have to, you had to decide uh, which side was, was the best or which side uh, contained less water. But at some point it didn't matter because it was all on the water. And I actually dove a bit today. I don't know if you saw the video. There was one big, like, pool of water beside the beside like a little dam, uh, and it was knee deep or, or hip deep. And I completely dove in it. <laughs> yeah, like running running in there with 50 k's an hour. And I think I missed a, a tree sticking out on the right, and then I clipped it and uh, completely went underwater. Because sometimes I went in and it was so, I just, I was riding into it and I thought, oh, I can't get any deeper, I can't get any deeper. It was up over my bottom bracket, but you actually went for a little swim. That's that's what I was talking about. It was just, there was so much water out there. I'm, you've never had that before in, in all your mountain bike career. No, no. Um, and I'm actually, I'm I'm the good weather rider. Uh, usually I do the, the indoor training when it when it's that rainy outside. Well, tell me what's going on in the pro race. Like I said, you're leading. You are the previous winner. How are you feeling about the other competitors? Are you feeling pressure or are you just happy where you guys are at now, coming towards the end of the race? Yeah, for sure. You're you're under pressure also from, from the start or from the get-go as the defending champions. But actually now with the, the yellow jersey and with the... I wouldn't call it a comfortable lead, but from some kind of lead, I'm in a better mental state than, than before where you feel like you have to work for uh, for the yellow jersey. And, and last year we were chasing it for, for seven or eight days and got it on the last day. And now we, we already have it. Now we, we can ride a bit more defensively uh, and see what the other guys are, are coming up with. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was tough racing today and I'm um, super happy that it finally worked out. Well, here he is here. Mate, we were just talking about 
here's your partner. We we're just talking about the day today, yeah. the weather. And you know, are you are you a fair weather rider, or you like the you like the wet? No, actually, I like uh, dusty conditions and hot conditions, but I'm not uh, too afraid of the wet like Lucas. But I think it was uh, Lucas' first uh, win in the wet today, or be a big win. <laughs> I think we got a gap of 30 seconds over the top, and then uh, I think we decent it quite well. The downhill, yeah, was nice. I mean, you also did it. There were like big uh, washed out sections, and uh, we had to do some bunny hops uh, to jump over them and. Somehow we managed to get down uh, safely and fast there, and um, I think at the at the bottom of the of the climb or after the downhill we had uh, even more uh, seconds, and then um, it was quite hard a few k's uh, because we had to find the new rhythm, uh, climbing again and pushing in the flats, and uh, we're quite struggling and a bit afraid that they catch back, but uh, the last 15 k's we were like going flat out and we knew the finish is not far away it's not too much climbing left so um, yeah I think we opened or did even a bigger gap in the last 15 case you guys the thing I love about what you guys have is your setup you feel like you're part of us look this is nothing against the other pro teams here but they've got this big exclusive setup and you know that's what it is it's very relaxed been since day one being able to talk to you guys what's it like out there like you said one thing I'm feeling is once you go past someone this pressure are they catching me and you're always looking behind do you guys keep it relaxed out there are you are you are you here like this or you get a bit stressed out there no for sure we get stressed out um as soon as you're you're creating a gap and uh, i mean i think every every pro cyclist can relate to that feeling or everyone who's actually competing while while riding the bike the feeling of having someone in your neck and um, the fear of getting caught again is is actually quite uncomfortable but uh, but maybe makes you makes you push a bit extra and uh and brings you the, the extra power to to actually bring it home. Today was was after we created the gap. Was the the, the mission was to keep a, a steady pace and bring it all the way home because uh, it doesn't didn't make any sense to to just um, creating a gap and then losing it in downhill or in the flat sections again. Just keep the the normalized power high and um, go for the yellow jersey. Well, Boz, there's only a couple mornings left of these early mornings. It's 5.20 in the morning. We've both been up for a little bit already. The wind is absolutely howling out there. The rain is pelting in on the side. This is certainly not what I signed up for. Yeah, I guess when I knew I was coming to South Africa, I assumed it was going to be, if anything, super hot and uh, sunny. We're going to go home with a big sunburn, but so far that hasn't happened. Um second day in a row of rain and second to last day Mitch but I think we both feel pretty similar this morning that feeling the effects of the race and uh, this weather is not the most inspiring way to wake up well speaking about the rain let's talk about yesterday because yesterday we didn't actually speak about it last night yesterday was one of those days for the record books really I think in a cyclist's career and mountain biking career it was it was so wet it was just torrential rain overnight actually sort of stopped by the time we started but the whole course was essentially rivers and things um yesterday was a queen day and we lost a bit of time to the lead yesterday but you know i think out of all the days we really just can i say enjoyed it we really just sort of took it back we rode at our real own speed and um took care of each other didn't we yeah there was a fair amount of climbing i think so for myself um 
we kind of just dictated our own pace. The downhills we rode a little bit more cautiously. It was still a long day, but we weren't really chasing wheels. We were more just riding a, you know, a comfortable pace for us. But I have never ridden through anything like we saw yesterday. Both like river crossings where the water was probably nearly up to your bottles, and then sections of double track where you know you're just riding through 15, 18 centimeters of water just running down the river and you just can't see where you're going just splashing through the water let's talk about today stage six two days to go i'll run us through today 78k um 2300 meters of climbing so quite a bit of climbing in the shorter distance um not a whole lot of single track Virtually, we're actually starting on a road for a couple of K and then we start climbing directly on a farm road, which we found out is arguably, it's not single track, but it's not really a road. And then there's a there's a bit of single track later in the day. We've got one, two, three, four, five peaks today. Not much else really to say. We've just been discussing our sort of plan of attack, Boz. What, 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 are, what are we going to do? I think we've had the weather been different. We would have... Uh Maybe been a little bit more motivated to rip it up today, but I think today um, just plan on riding relatively fast and hard over over the climbs, and then similar to yesterday, just keep it safe and steady on the on the downhills. We don't know what the conditions are going to be like out there. Yesterday we didn't encounter too much slippery mud, but from what I heard from someone last night, that the single track here, which most of the descents today are single track, um, is a little bit more muddy, less sandy, so it could be a little bit sloppy on the downhills. But we'll have to wait and see what it looks like. Hey Mornay, you're my mechanic over here. This is something you have saved me. Up until sort of two days ago, it was just a bit of a, you know, touch and put a bit of lube on and stuff, but then suddenly it got serious. It got really serious. The trails got wet and dirty and the last two days has been pretty much full re rebuilds. How many Cape Epics have you done? And tell me a little bit about what it's like being a mechanic on Cape Epic. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Um, this is by far maybe one of the worst ones I've been with. Uh, this is my 17th. You can hear the gusting wind. It's like almost a hurricane out there. But uh, all we do, you hang on with one hand to the gazebo while you're fixing bikes. And that's how it is. But um, yeah, the first day or two is a little bit okay. You know, the weather was semi all right but now the third fourth fifth day it's pouring rain it's bucketing people are without brake pads already 20ks in i think yesterday i almost sold 500 sets of brake pads um, yeah and and obviously for you guys i just put i have stock so we just put in so there was not one bike at the epic that survives brake bad so um it's rough out there it's it's but it's what i'm used to you know like my philosophy in life is if it's if it rains you put on your rain jacket and your boots and you carry on hey you can't complain and go and sit in front of the couch so um but cape epic is uh, it's sometimes a whirlwind it's rough it's proper sometimes we have a dry run for the whole week but this week we had some it's almost like a hurricane wind rain rivers waterfalls uh, it's like all of the above and it's it's amazing to be part of it sometimes people lose a bit of the uh, just ambition to to ride it but after the day um, all we do we wash the bikes again we start opening suspension the dropper post but luckily we have all the resources I've been at mm. at 17 of them so by now I 100% know what to bring with what not um, chains bearings suspension stuff and uh, but we work every morning until three or four o'clock in the morning and we only have 30 bikes so other bike shops have a hundred bikes oh. 
So there's there's almost hardly a chance that they can even just wash your bike properly. So we can at least like open up suspension, put brake pads, BB chains, uh, anything, bleed brakes, whatever it needs to be done. Um, but that's why I only take on so many bikes so that I can be in control if the weather goes bad. What brings you back? Like it just sounds like so much work, so much stress. What brings you back 17 times? You know, like you're probably thinking that right now, why am I doing this? Even uh, I think in this weather that we're standing now and it's pouring and bucketing and, and we've lost some gazebos and spares and whatever, um, I will 100% tell you now on the spot I'll be back next year. Normally, you know, like even for you guys that are riding it, uh, now you're feeling terrified, you'll never do it again. But once you're back home and you're comfort and you have mm. taken a shower, you'll probably most likely enter it again. Um, the vibe's great. It's all about the vibe. There's no other race. I've done for 15 years, I've done stage races and service on pro teams and well. And there's no other race out there that has the, the vibe with it. The mechanics, the people, the resources, the people on the course, the people that fix mm. bridges, the route markers, the media people, motorbike guys, farmers, obviously all the farms, they open up their land to us. It's, it's amazing and they try and help wherever they can. So the commune, like our community is amazing. The, the mountain bike community look after each other. If one guy doesn't have this or that, we borrow and, and we don't, you know, or we give. Um, so the people is amazing. It's, it's something very different uh, from the road scene at all. I've been on the road scene as well. And um, so I'll 100% be back every year. Um, because also we become family uh, even if I've met you and, uh, and Ian in the beginning of the week you know like after I've looked after your guys bikes for a whole week you know we know each other's stories where we come from where we uh, you know and we basically we go through war together and that's there's something special about that it's untangible you can't really put a price to it and that's apart from the weather the conditions or whatever there's something more internal, emotional that goes on, which is special. And that's why people come back at the end of the day. You wouldn't be able to believe it. Tomorrow is the last day. It's come quickly, but it hasn't. I don't know. It's just today. Oh, today. Wow. What can we say, Boz? Today was a day. One for the record books in my own career, but also one for the record books in Cape Epic. Yeah, it was the dirtiest I had ever been to the point where we came back to the camper afterwards and I just didn't know what to do. I was so messy and I was just like, what do I do with my kit? My shoes are messed up. Our bikes are trashed. Water bottles are trashed. But one thing I've been thinking is because we're in the midst of it now, I feel like we're both pretty down on just the last couple of days. Not down, but just worked from the last two days of racing. But was lying up in my little nook and thinking like how cool it is that we're actually here. You know, that we actually made it to this race, that we put this together, that we're one day to go, we've got 80K left. And like, what a journey. You know, there's, in the US, we always talk about type one and type two fun. This is definitely the type two type thing. We've had plenty of fun while we're out there racing, but I think this is one of those races when you get back that, you know, your partner and your friends are going to ask you about it. And you're just going to say, you just had to be there. Like, it's just, you kind of have to be there or be here this year to understand what everyone's gone through. You know, whether it's us, whether it's people at the front or people way back you know everyone's like accomplished something just in just in getting through today if today was a one-day event that would have been enough let alone stage six of of seven plus a prologue so you're already coming around to that point and i have this also when i did 
big hard races maybe more so only in grand tours that you get to the end of that grand tour and you're thinking which we've also said a few times i'm never doing this again and all of a sudden a day passes and maybe two and someone asks you hey would you do the giro again next year oh probably would actually it sounds like you're already starting to go that way if they could guarantee it was going to be dry i would consider um i think this one's going to take longer to sink in than than a grand tour i think that you know just the the physical abuse we've taken you know i'm I'm not entirely sure they don't have some type of nerve damage in my in my right finger but i think you know once we get home and like fully get cleaned up we may miss it more than i think we currently think you know and it really has been a journey you know like every day has been something unique something special something different we've seen some amazingly beautiful places and i think at some point we'll look back and be like oh that was really fun i really missed that I really miss that camper, really miss, you know, going up on the on the podium, getting a bottle of wine, and uh, just the simplicity of, of being here in camp. Speaking of which, we're going to go to the food hall tonight, soak in the last dinner, the vibe, the atmosphere, and once again, go get some bottles of wine. Right, Ian. Five fifty-nine. Hopefully, the last of the early wake-ups in the camper. This is it. We're here. The last day. We've made it. I was just while you're over at the toilet because I think you've uh, got yourself a little bit of Cape Belly as well. Right on the last day, a nice little present from Cape Epic to take home to the family. I was running through a bit of data over the last few days just to understand how I've got to this point of being so tired. So we've done seven days of cycling up until now. This time last week, we were starting the time trial. Hard to believe, actually. And uh, we've done, according to my training peaks, which I've still got, 25 hours, 36 minutes, 527K, and 1,700 TSS score for the last seven days. I think in GC, we're at like 27 hours or something. Uh, maybe we're, it's not counting the prologue day because... Because we're on today, yeah. if that makes sense. I think we've ridden at least 27 hours since we started the prologue. But Look, I started, if anyone out there wants to know a bit of data and who's got training peaks, I started with a CTL, so the chronic training load of about 80. I think it was 81, which I was pretty happy with because I'm only sitting around 70 these days, 65, 70, which is so low if you're a pro. To give, it, give that some perspective, I used to start the season at 120, and I would finish a Grand Tour at 180. So I'm at 113 now. So I'm starting to get back to pro level. This is insane. But on the same note, my fatigue level is 180, which is sort of what I would have at the end of a Grand Tour. I'd be up around 200 at the end of a Grand Tour. So things are painting the picture. And if people don't have training peaks and don't know that data, then Ian, give us a real, real version of what we're at well i'm looking across the table your form is also minus 95 so you're really in the hole i don't know if i've ever seen a minus 95 before which just means you've done an incredible amount of work and riding over the last seven days compared to what you've done the previous whatever month and a half yeah this has been a really hard race i mean i think we're both feeling it i think it's going to take a long time to kind of recover from this just i think physically mentally equitamentally um but it's, yeah, it's it's a lot harder than I think either of us thought when we first came here. We knew it'd be a lot of riding. We knew it'd be mountain biking, which isn't our, our specialty. But I think just the the physical amount of riding and climbing and thrashing that we've taken, I think is a lot more than I expected. 
you know, I think when you look at the, the stage profiles before you come here, being road riders, you see an 80K stage. And Mitch reminded me the other day that I think when we first were coming here, I was like, oh, we should bring some running shoes and we can go for some little jogs in the afternoon. Thinking that the stages, you know, 80K will be done in two and a half hours, but never have I thought about going for a run other than a little sprint over to the, the Portaloo. Well, you are you are still done early because we are starting early, but there's no way you want to do anything afterwards. You want to just curl up into your bed and you want to relax. And look, today, just to run through today, it's 80K, 2,400 meters. We've got a really tough climb at the start, 10K climb, um, tough descent. Not much single trail to begin with, but then a whole lot of single trail in the middle. But actually, from about 30k to go, it looks like slightly downhill the whole way in. And there's even some road sectors in the last 10k. On paper, the finish looks like a dream finish. No typical Cape Epic surprises. There's a bit of single track at the end there, which could be could be a little Cape Epic Jimmy. But on paper, Ian, could be a little nice little swan song, couldn't it? Well, having done seven days of riding here so far i'm not gonna get my head around it too quickly um because i'm sure that they'll throw something in and there'll be some sort of surprise some sort of challenging technical section um one thing we are heading over to where they have the stellenbosch world cup today and the trails may be a little bit sloppy from from all the rain overnight but hopefully they've got good drainage and i would love just one little fun flow section on the last day with maybe a couple little jumps some some berms and just one final trail to really, you know, drop that post and cruise. All right, guys, it's all over. We've got the James brothers who we were fighting together the whole race. Guys, all the way over from Australia, WA, first Cape Epic. What did you think, boys? Uh, brutal. <laughs> Not much else for it. Just brutal. Enjoyable, but brutal. Yeah, sore hands, sore wrists, sore shoulders. Just, just sore. <laughs> the thought is, are we coming back again? I'm saying no. It's slid, sliding out of no, but originally said no. But what are you thinking? Being that we've just raced, it's still a no. But probably tomorrow morning, it'll be a yes. I'll probably check with a fiance on that one. Got a wedding to plan for as well. <laughs> so. Awesome, guys. It's been fun riding through this with you guys. Um, it'd be good to get back on home soil, won't it? It will. Here we go. Now we're talking about the pro race. We've got the big boys here, Chris Blevins, Matt Beers. Boys, firstly, it's all done, which is nice, but it's even better when you're sitting in the leader's jersey. How's it feel, guys? Yeah, man. Um, We've been through we've been through quite a journey um, from the first day from the prologue. I mean, everybody who does this race can say that they've been through a journey. But um, we just we just did the thing. We just stuck with it every day. Um, we did all the little things, and we put ourselves in a position to just you know give it our all. And uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Matt, being from South Africa, wearing the the champions jersey as well, did you feel the pressure coming in this to take out the title? Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a, there's a lot of people here that are rooting um, for a South African to be on the top step. and um, But I, I take the pressure as motivation. So um, just having so many people out there in the mountains and it's incredible. And yeah, we took the jersey on the last day when it counts. So. My question is, is this been the hardest edition of the Cape Epic? Got to be. 
Yeah, I would say um, all, everyone out there, you picked a good year to do it with the conditions. Um, already the Epic without the conditions is, is hard enough, but like to have torrential rain for for two days and then today was also pretty slippery. Um, yeah, it was, it was gnarly out there. My question now is, are you going to come back? <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, um, if we would have, you know, ended up second by 30 seconds, there's there's no way I would have been able to sleep the rest of my life without coming back. But, I mean, we'll see. It's It's been, you know, there's so many dark moments in this race, but there's so much, um, regardless of the result, there's so much that... Um, you know, you just have to be grateful for, and, and first and foremost is the team and Matt as my partner. So, um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll feel like I got the itch to come back again next year, but we'll see. Well, Boz, I'm enjoying a nice lion lager, the pride of South Africa. A nice cleansing ale, you could say. Very, very cleansing because we're sitting back in the Rockefeller Hotel now in. Cape Town, I was going to say Cape Epic, but Cape Town we are. Cape Epic is done. I want to get some raw emotions at the end of the race, but to be honest with you, mate, I was just happy and I was just actually absorbing the moment without trying to grab an audio grab and all this sort of stuff and just being a bit more present today. Um, today was a very, very nice day, annoyingly, <laughs> in a way, because, you know, I, I, I had my mindset that this was a, this was a crap race. This is just a stupid race. This is just wet. It's too hard. But today was it was quite beautiful. Great trails, good pace, actually a bit of a community feel within the bunch that we rode. I think that's what I started mountain biking for. And today it sort of was what mountain biking is. Tell me, Boz, the last day running in, you know, close us all out. The whole adventure, I guess, ended with a, with a bang. I sure did, Mitch. Um, I guess in the last, what, 5, 10K, we hit some pavement, and people were kind of going around the group doing fist bumps, high fives, handshakes, because I feel maybe similar to like a, you know, a long grand tour. Like, there is a sense of accomplishment for everyone who finishes. You know, whether someone has, you know, takes home a medal or whether someone, you know, just barely scrapes in time cut. Like, there is a sense of accomplishment in finishing this, and I think that's why so many people are drawn to this event, um, because it is you do go through so many ups and downs. You know, I think this year in particular, there was a lot of, you know, savage days out on course. But yeah, I mean, it, it really was kind of an ironic day in the sense that I think we both woke up this morning thinking like, oh man, we have another day to, to go. And it's only 80K, but it's a ton of climbing. We thought the trails were still going to be sloppy and muddy, and it turned out to be the best day out there. We had, you know, good camaraderie, great trails, and had a lot of fun out riding. I think we're both excited to be done with it, to go home, but we definitely ended this trip on a high. We did decide to come into Cape Town tonight to just sort of refresh and treat ourselves um, and just sort of clean all the muck out. And, it, you know, only being here for about an hour already, you, it's so weird, isn't it? You feel a million miles away from Camper Village. It's a bit good and bad, you know. I can I can already see what's gonna happen. I can already see it. Oh yeah, Boz, it was so good. We had our camber and our whole life. How are you feeling now? We've been separated for a little bit, which is also weird when you're with someone for so long and they suddenly go in another room. You're sort of like, oh, I wonder what Boz is doing now. What's your last hour been like? Well, probably similar to you. Uh, we kind of packed our bikes and suitcases in a frenzy at the finish just to get out of there. So I reorganized my suitcase, tried to decide what was 
used and unused. Probably did a pretty bad job of it. I did clean off my my blunt stones, which have been probably the shoe of choice for this week. Um, you borrowed them numerous times. I took a really nice shower. I, you know, at, at camp, water was limited to 90 seconds, which I'm actually not a really long shower taker anyways. I probably only took a maybe two minute shower here, but just to have soap and like a big clean towel and to like not walk out onto grass and just still feel somewhat dirty. I enjoyed that shower. And I think that's kind of the, the beauty of doing something like this is you come back. If you know if we were to just check into this hotel and we we're on a business trip to Cape Town, you wouldn't think anything of this hotel. You'd just jump in the shower. You wouldn't appreciate it at all. But to take that shower today was like, oh, this is so nice. And just to lay in a, I mean, we had comfortable beds in the camper, but just to lay down and realize that we really have nothing to do tonight. Go get dinner. We have an easy morning tomorrow. Our uh, RV is parked out in front of the hotel because it doesn't fit in the parking garage. So if we get lonely during the night, we can uh, head out there and sleep and climb up into my nook. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely kind of back to back to civilization. I mean, two hours from when we're at the race to being back here and cleaned up feels feels like miles away. Well, let's sit back. Let's just enjoy a beer and um, just enjoy the moment, mate. Well, Boz, mate, it's great to hear that and just remind me of that trip. I'm so glad we've actually got that documented. That's something that I've always realized with the podcast is all this cool stuff we get to do. We've actually got a document, an audio document of our trip. You know, it's like having a a camera with you the whole time, but almost for me, even better because those interviews, those people I speak to, everyone out there gets to hear it. But I also listen back on it many times through the edit and maybe years later and like, that's right. That was that trip that we did. It was a real journey, wasn't it? It was. I mean, here we're sitting less than 24 hours after the event and you've already kind of forgotten about some things, mm. you know? So it, it is one of those episodes that I'll definitely go back and listen to. And I guess for people who are listening to really like come inside Cape Epic and see what it's all about and, and see the highs and lows. And I think we'll go back and listen to this and be like, oh, I forgot about that moment. Like how awesome was that? Mm-hmm. Or like we were really in the dumps at that point. I remember <laughs> that moment, which is like a great way. You know, I think so often, you know, neither of us kept like a, a written journal but an audio journal is almost more valuable because you you hear it in our voice. Mm. Do you think this is the end of the Digger and the Doughboy? Well, even on day one, we were already talking about other other mm. events to do. Um, we've got some pristine jerseys that were only wore, worn one time. So I think we'll try to find something maybe a little bit more tame next time, maybe in Australia, maybe in the US. Mm. Um, but hopefully, like we said in the intro, that hopefully this brotherhood is like stand the test of time. A lot of things have got to go out in this episode to people who got us across to Cape Epic, Wahoo, who were instrumental to getting us across there, but also during the event really helped us out, specialise on the ground there in, in South Africa. But before I went, specialise in Australia really helped me out. Rafa, of course, for the podcast, but also for getting me all that kit to help me over there, ready to race. The race itself, Cape Epic, getting us over there, challenging us, putting all those little doozies in as well. You know, I, I, I don't think I was thinking of it at the time at 2K to go when you took us up some single track, but it's all in the memory bank now. I loved being across there. So thank you very much for having me. All the competitors out there that we got to race against or even meet, I really enjoyed everyone that I met out there. Boz, mate, it was awesome to have you there with me in the camper. Loved having you on board, buddy. Was there anyone out there that you wanted to say a yo to? Yeah, I mean, I guess in, in closing, you know, also Nick Lamond, who was with Fran and Dave, was a huge help, someone we hadn't mm. known before, but just having someone do something as simple as go and fetch our bikes or, you know, grab us a coffee in the morning, it's, uh, 
huge shout out to Nick and also someone from South Africa who knew the event, mm. you know, could give us little pointers, let us know what was happening, give us some history on the event. Um, super crucial to, to have someone like him around us. Definitely. I'll second that too. Nick Lamont, mate, you're a legend. Great to meet you. And you are a big help to us. I also want to thank Dave and Fran Miller for camping next to us. Um, I think there were moments in the race for myself, especially when I thought a lot about Dave and Fran out there and how much I was struggling and knowing that, you know, they were spending much more time out there. So Dave and Fran, congratulations on finishing and uh, how little you may think you're a big inspiration for both Mitch and I. Will Jones behind the scenes who has pieced this episode together because this has been a beast and Meg as well doing all the nuts and bolts. Guys, thanks for listening. I hope you hung in for the whole episode and until next time, cheers. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.